fast. I kind of, I kind of miss this setup a little bit. It's good. Two boys, one mic. Two boys, one mic. How'd I do? Oh, that was a double. <laughs> Damn. That means this is going to be a hot one, everyone. You're listening to the Art Pros Podcast. Uh, we, you can find us on www.artprospodcast.com. Yep, that's right. We're on the internet. And we are also on um, Instagram, at paid.artists. You can catch a lot of our funny stuff on there, our posts, our memes. We're on Patreon. Patreon.com slash ArtProsPodcast. Yeah, we're just trying to make it easy for everyone. What's up, everybody? It's me, Gage B, and... It's me, Renz B. Welcome to the pod. All right. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Live from Baltimore, Renz's house. If we sound a little different, it's because we're back to the old setup. Real OG interns, those of you who have been here for quite a while and still haven't... Still haven't secured that sweet, sweet art handling gig. We'll remember back, way back in the day, Renz and I used to record at Renz's house on one mic. And we're back to it, so if we sound a little funky, keep that in mind. Today's topic is... Things that get under our skin. We are the Art Pours Podcast. Yeah, we're really, really angry we're heating up today. You know, things are getting hot. Now, I don't know. Some of you might be thinking that, hey, Gageby, hey, Rensby, you guys always complain about stuff that gets under your skin in the art world. Well, you know what? You know what makes me complain? Is people who just keep complaining about things. Yeah, that's why I hate myself. Yeah, I hate myself too. That's the first thing that gets under my skin in the art world. Renz, do you have something you want to lead us off with? I hate when I get paid late. I hate when I don't even get paid sometimes. I hate when I do work, ask for, you know, a little bit of uh, upfront payment, and it comes six months late. That's what I hate. Let me tell you something. You know what really gets under my skin? Like, like uh, that scene in The Mummy where the scarabs climb under that guy's skin. <laughs> you know what really gets under my skin? Is when someone says that you should do something for them for exposure, and they don't even have clout. It's like they have like 40, 50 maybe people who follow them, you know, in the world. And they're like, oh, yeah, if you do this for me, you know, you'll get so much exposure. And you ain't going to get no exposure from that. And people always ask for it. And they don't want to pay you for it. That really gets under my skin. Yeah. So for me, exposure is only really good when you're starting out. Uh, you know, you got you to gotta get what you can take. But at, at some point... During your art uh, expedition as an artist, your professionalism, road to mastery, you will <coughs> come across that client, that that contractor or whatever, and they'll try to say, okay, hey, you know what? Um, this is going to be good for you. I don't think we need to pay you. You know how Gage and I feel about unpaid internships. We only like it if it, if it helps us. <laughs> so, um, anyway, no, nah, I'm just kidding. But, yeah, exposure, look out for that. But take it when you can get it early on. 
later on in your career, you might want to be a little strategic with what you what you want to do for somebody. Just make sure it's going to be worth your time because that's really what you're trading. Your time and your expertise and your professional information that you know and they they want. Oof. You know what really gets under my skin is when you're trying to organize, you know, payment and they use the word reimbursement. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For those of you who don't know what reimbursement is, it's when a client of yours says they will pay you back for the money that you spend up front to make a project for them. And the reason why it's so irritating is because you're all of a sudden on their timeline. Mm-hmm. They could take a month. They could take a year to reimburse you for those materials. And guess what? That's one thing. I, I can bridge this into another thing that gets under my skin. When you go, if you go and decide to take the route of uh, getting a fine arts education, remember this. They are not, most likely, are not going to teach you enough skills about being the business person you will need to be once you graduate. We've said that a lot. Because it's a big deal. You're not just an artist. It... All right, let's get it straight. If you want to continue being an artist, you're going to have to understand some form of business skills. Because, hell, if you want to continue to be an artist, unless you're really lucky and have a ton of money already, somehow, you're not going to be able to survive and continue making art at the level that you were when you before you graduated art school. You know what I mean? So, just just remember that. Let me tell you guys something. You know what gets under my skin? but you're gonna have to deal with it a lot, is redundancy. And this isn't just for those of you who are smart enough to pursue the lucrative career of becoming an artist. This is for everybody. Everyone all the time in your entire life is going to be redund redundant. Renz and I are going to be redundant to you. Everything is gonna be redundant. Even the true crime podcast that you wish you were listening to now instead of this is redundant. Oh, this guy had a bad childhood. He had problems with his mom. That's why he cut women open and then buried them somewhere. And then everything is about the little details that make that interesting. Everything is redundant, but it gets under my skin. You know how many times someone has tried to explain to me how oppressive the Trail of Tears was? It gets fucking redundant. We get it. We get it. It's hard out there in the wild world of chaos and the universe and entropy and everything. But we, art pros, are here to reassure you that we, only we, have the realest information you will ever need to continue and become the greatest artist who ever lived. Of all time. Do you guys remember swine flu? Do you remember how dangerous swine flu was? Or, supposedly, do you remember how many times, those of you who are older will remember SARS, there's always an outbreak of a new virus, right? Some sort of respiratory illness or some sort of outbreak. Yeah, you remember the Coney 2020 virus? You guys remember Coney 2020? Coney 2012? Yeah. <laughs> Stop Coney? Well, the reason for being redundant and why you should pay attention to everything, even though it's so irritatingly redundant, is that this time might be the time where the boy who cried wolf really saw a wolf. And you guys know what I'm talking about. 
the Wuhan coronavirus. And that thing doesn't just get under my skin. It gets under everyone's skin. Lucky for most of us, that virus affects people through human interaction. So keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, just don't talk to anyone. Listen to the Art Pros, the yeah. safest podcast in Baltimore. Yeah, so, you know, these days, it's definitely okay to stay under your sheets as soon as we wake up and fight just for being able to get out of bed. Just fight. Fight. You know what's redundant? Depression. And that shit gets under my skin, too. That you can't escape it. Every day you wake up and you're like, oh, man, coronavirus is out there. I don't want to get out there and do things. I heard that coronavirus didn't come from a dirty meat market in China. It actually came from the Wuhan Virology Lab that is eight blocks away from where they claimed it came from. But that's not on major news networks. But, you know, I want to get up. I'm going to do my day. That shit gets tiring. It's redundant. Gets under my skin, but you got to do it every day. It's tough out there. When you're too woke, you start to feel feelings you don't want to feel. Like Gage mentioned, if you're depressed and you know it, and you have come to a conclusion that this is how you feel, there's plenty of ways to feel much better. You know, you don't have to beat yourself up. You can talk to people. If there's nobody to talk to around you at that moment, you can, you can, you, you know, there's, there's ways. So don't, don't let it get you down. Don't let the coronavirus get you down. Sometimes you got to get out there. Some, you know, but you do you. It's all right. Does get under people's skin though. Person on a personal level. Cause well, all right. In my experience, what I used to do when I got super bummed out, felt super low, I'd put it on the canvas. It works for me. It worked. And that's another thing that gets under my skin. Even your forms of art therapy might stop working. Varence, tell me more about how, it, how you get it out there. The worst I feel, the easier it is for me to... Put it on the canvas, especially if I can't vent and talk to somebody about it. I'll make a picture. I'll make some art. I will I will feel all those feelings while making something. Cause I'm charged up with those <laughs> those feelings, you know? This is something I heard somebody say before that you aren't you are more than the sum of your feelings and your mind put together. You are not your mind. You are not your feelings. Because you are more than that. And the reason that is true is because you can still consciously pay attention to those feelings and kind of observe yourself when you're feeling low. When you're feeling low, you could still think, oh man, uh, I'm feeling this way. What do I do? Sometimes. Sometimes when you're thinking negatively, you can step back and say, oh, why am I thinking this stuff? And to me, that just says that you're more than those two things. If you can still step back and observe them, there's got to be some weird other level of consciousness that you can tap into and be like, all right, I see myself thinking this thing. I see myself feeling this thing. And then you make the decision. You got a blank canvas. You paint it blue. Maybe you're Miles Davis. You make a great hit album out of it. Feel, you know, kind of blue. Anyone? <laughs> you know it. I know it. I'm trying not to laugh anymore. Um, let me tell you something. 
Renz is completely right. It's the perfect time to make art. You don't want to vent. You don't want to talk to others. It's a really, and, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be ironic or satirical. Art is a good venting method and it's a particularly effective one now because who knows how quickly you could be infected by the Wuhan virus, by the coronavirus related to SARS that might have ties to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Who knows how quickly you could get that. So stay at home, deal with your feelings in a healthy way, not just healthy mentally anymore, but physically, physiologically, psychologically. Get yourself a canvas, get yourself a block of wood, get yourself a DIY YouTube craft video on how to make an aquarium pump out of an old teddy bear from Build-A-Bear and a plastic bottle mm. and start making because that's the best way to look inward. You know, some uh, a criticism I hear a lot about the art pros is that we do too much navel gazing, you know staring in your own belly button to see what's inside your gut. But I think that most people just don't do enough navel gazing. Spend some time, look down at your feet, look past your feet, look into the soul of the earth and realize that you are the globe or the flatness. We don't discriminate here. You know what gets under my skin these days? Um, technology. <sighs> that shit sucks. It's too, it moves too fast. I can't keep up. All these Zoomers are literally Zooming around me, running laps around me with their ability to understand. They grew up with it, this tech. I grew up before the explosion of this technological, I would call it the second level of the Industrial Revolution. And and I, I don't have those skills. I did not have the skills to grow up with all this stuff already around me. I think Zoomers have an advantage in being able to manage their screen time a lot better than I can. I'm still getting excited about a, about a touch screen smartphone that can fold in half. That is pretty crazy, though. It's pretty crazy, but it's also pretty stupid. Because, like, who the fuck cares if it folds in half? The, the phone design right now works perfectly well. I'll tell you how much of a... Uh, of a, a Luddite I am I'm still excited by those machines where you put a penny in and you like crank it through and then it it, it flattens it out and it like impresses it embosses like an image on the machine you see them at like old-timey places or like random carnivals I still think that technology is way beyond my ability to understand hey you know what you're right those things are pretty cool they're pretty fucking dope it's like those things uh the the newton physics toys where it's just the balls on string and you pull one back and it 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 hits three balls that aren't moving and then that energy transfers through those balls through the conservation of energy and it keeps going back and forth and back and forth and if there's no loss of energy through heat or through gravity it would go on forever theoretically since we're on the topic of technology let me just <laughs> express something to everyone that gets under my skin right now i was talking about how quickly technology advanced pretty soon we are going to get hit by a massive another massive wave of improvement quantum technology they ibm google they got quantum computers what's next you know quantum porn you got yeah yeah You'll never nut faster. <laughs> See? So what's up with that shit? 
I don't know. All I know is I'm trying, I'm in a mode of reflection these days. I'm, I'm putting myself back in time mentally in a quantum way, transcending dimensions by thinking about the past and appreciating the technology that still works really well these days, hundreds of years later. And that's because technology, as we know it, is still based off of the fundamental principles and design of old ass shit. A hammer. Guess what? If you want a hammer faster, you just put a machine behind it. A power hammer. You ever heard of forged in fire? They use it all the time. A drill? They got a hand crank drill that uses the, the same energy that you gained from that cheeseburger or that quinoa that you ate earlier or that green kale smoothie. You can crank it yourself if you really want to get connected. That's what I've been doing. I'm not going to let this quantum stuff take over my world. I'm a quantum human being, period. I'm a quantum human being because human beings invented quantum. Suck on that, quantum. I'm quantum Renz in this episode. Quantum Gage, welcome to the quantum pros. Here's the thing, though. See, like, we're at this, this interesting point of technology where it's, like, kind of analogous to um, maybe you're at, at this, you're at a juncture on your path, right? And there's a gap. And to get to the other side of the path, you can either choose to stay on your side of this gap, you know, this this chasm, or you can choose to jump across where if you reach the other side, you're safe. On the side you're on right now, you're safe. I feel like that where we are in our timeline of technology is right above that that chasm, that gap where we haven't figured out how to make it safe. We haven't found found an effective you know, form of technological improvement yet, or we haven't gotten so advanced that we could fix any problem we caused through the attempt of progressing technology. But we've already gone past the point of no return that was the industrial revolution. And I think that the edge of the gap, the end of the gap where our feet will touch down and where we'll be safe again is with quantum porn. Pornhub, what we need you to do is to get on the quantum porn thing. I need the porn as fast as I can. Beam it into my brain from space. I want a nut before I think about what I was going to look at tomorrow to jerk off to. Yep. In that case, it's just... it's just you. It'll get to your system faster than you can say the word nut, to be honest. When it gets on a quantum level... We're talking about Zoomers... Next next episode, we're going to be talking about quoomers, quantum boomers. Quantum boomers. Yeah. These are boomers who have surpassed the timeline. These are boomers who grow up experiencing the boom of whole foods. <laughs> quantum boomers. The next step in millennial evolution. <laughs> Ooh, I'm fired up. I'm fired up too. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, guys. The fact of the matter is, we had the industrial revolution, we had the informational revolution, and I and I'm being a hundred percent honest here. I think the one revolution we haven't had that needs to happen is the infrastructural revolution, where we start to look at a new way of developing infrastructure that's not based on the grid, that isn't based on on car mobility. I don't know what that looks like, but
but it's a handy dandy term I just made up that I'm going to apply to anything that I think matches the infrastructural revolution. The only thing I care about that is based that can be based on anything is if quantum is based. Based quantum? Oh, based quantum. Yeah. Based like the Joker movie? Uh, I bet I haven't seen it so I don't know. Oh, based like Ben Shapiro? Is Ben Shapiro based? Super based. The most based. If you if you are aware of how based you could get being some political pundit who thinks they understand the economy, you would know that Ben Shapiro is almost as based as Alex Jones, who's almost as based as uh as uh, uh who's that guy? Brad Trammell, super based. A bunch of people who understand the world better than we could hmm. ever. Hmm. Who's the most based politician I know? I don't know many politicians that are based. No. No, a lot of people seem to think Bernie Sanders is based. Well, that's all right. Yeah. I don't know a lot about politics, which gives me the exact credentials I need to talk very confidently about it. Me neither. But I think that I think that our credentials are that we're artists and we can yell really loud and we know how to make things to grab attention. So whether or not our opinions are well-founded, this is the thing that gets under my skin, whether or not an artist's opinion is well-founded, they make an effort to put it out there. Mm. Here's one thing that gets under my skin is when people say good art, when people say bad art, that gets under my skin because creativity is something innate. Creativity is a human right. Creativity is more than a skill. It's a way of survival. It is important. And that's why. And that's why. If you've been listening to the art pros for long enough, you know that othering and, and the, the term fine art gets under my skin, gauges skin, because that's a way of saying this art is better than that art. That gets under my skin. It really does. It gives me pimples. Well, you know, you know, I take issue with that. Remember, because I like wealthy people now. Um, so I think good art is art that costs more to make, and bad art is art that didn't cost much to make. Um, but I do agree with the idea of, you know, what gets under my skin is that saying someone is or isn't creative. Because, like, oh. what, what do you use to measure that? Like, how do you measure if someone's creative? Mm. Is there some sort of yardstick or ruler that we can bust out or maybe like some sort of ninja warrior test? Hey, have you like ever a thermometer? seen thermometer? Yeah, something that you could stick in straight into someone's core chakra, straight into like a kundalini meter. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Find find out if someone's aura is like the right color to be creative. Right, right, right. Or like, like some sort of Reiki analysis. Maybe maybe there's a way to check someone's astrological chart to see if they're creative. Yeah, it might be something astral. I mean, it's almost definitely something astral. Here's a fun fact. Philip in the Philippines, the in the native language pre-colonial, uh, they didn't really find any words for stars specifically. Like there there was no word for singular star. Is but, that because they couldn't look up? Well, no, there was no Google at the time. Oh, okay. So, you know, this is in like BC probably or, or like, you know, 15, 
thousand year one thousand or whatever. Anyway, nice. The the thing is that they had names for constellations because the constellations to them were more important than a singular star because the stars are connected via constellations. Mm. Yeah, why make up a word for one star when you know innately that these stars work together? And that that's kind of deep to me. It's as deep. Yeah, it's as deep as the universe. That's kind of deep. That's pretty deep. It's all right, right? Yeah. So that's an interesting and and, and I call it deep. And in the Filipino language, there was no specific word for time either. Well, that's because we're always late. Exactly. And the words that they used were more descriptive of season and weather. So they would use words associated with seasons or weather to describe time. Oh, that'd be so convenient. Even today, like the word panahon, panahon means like the the what's going on right now like this moment like the moment and it that encompasses the weather everything it's context highly contextual okay. so you don't use that word unless you spoke about other things to connect that word to yeah i like that i wish that that the society i lived in currently used that it, it could be like middle of winter and you're like trying to like schedule a meeting with someone you're like, oh yeah, come when it's when it's you know, sunny out and there hasn't been rain for three days. Instead of like saying like come next Tuesday at like twelve o'clock, and then you just kind of wait. You see how long you can get away with not having to meet up at all. And yeah, that's great. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's another thing that gets in grinds my gears. Perfect segue. Colonialism grinds my gears. Oh, I thought you were gonna say showing up on time because that shit grinds the fuck out of my gears. It, I, I see. Even though I'm habitually late and on Filipino person time, some people like to say colored person time. I technically am colored. It's not a good word. I don't care. That's what's being used now. You gotta own it. Sometimes find a good way to to feel feel better about this colonial word. We're right? Bleep that part out with dolphins too. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I I don't know. I think this. I think I think that this is pertinent information. Oh okay. I agree. I always, I, it was always called Filipino people time, like in my family. Yeah, yeah. me too. I, I mean, that's a good way of not being racist. The best way to not be racist is to just not understand what racism is, which I don't. It's going to be a game time decision, but I might bleep out the word racist because it's triggering. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is true. That is true. A lot of people do get really freaked out when they get called racist. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. What? what? Go on, sir. It's cool. I lost my train of thought already. Dude, that <laughs> fucking gets under my skin so often as like, you know, as an artist, you're always having these like super deep, <laughs> super intellectual conversations and you're like, you're like, damn, my train of thought is totally gone because we were just so deep in thought together as like a group of people who are just so much deeper than the average person. That shit fucking grinds my gears. You know what grinds my gears right now, Gage? is that I'm still injured and I'm still on painkillers. And that's why we're here at home recording in my house because I worked myself to this point. As an artist, you're gonna have to work hard to earn those ducats, to earn that respect, to earn that Willy Wonka golden pass beyond accepting simply exposure. 
you gotta level up to the point where you can just simply have the tact to request money for your services. Don't forget that. You need to make a living too. Yeah, don't shortchange yourself. Don't pigeonhole your entrepreneurial spirit energy. Don't don't accept exposure unless you need it to level up to the point where you can actually ask for money. Because, you know, you're worth it. You're worth that hundred bucks. You're worth that $25 an hour as a, as a young budding art entrepreneur. You'll get to the point where you can demand the money. But first you gotta walk. First you gotta wax on before you can wax off. Oh, let's, yeah, let's become the art positive pros. Listen, those of you who make art and even those of you who don't, anyone who does something that they wanna earn money with their labor, you can do it. There are people, there's 7 billion people on the planet. Someone will pay you for what you've made. But the hardest thing, the hardest part of the job, and this is encompassed by networking, is showing people your work and being okay if someone doesn't want to pay for it and looking for the next person who's willing to pay for it. You, you who studies art, you who does computer programming, but you're too afraid to apply for a job at Google or whatever. Your work is definitely good enough to sell because I you see I see people buy literal garbage. I've seen people buy literal garbage. I work in a bronze foundry where people make sculptures that are the most boring fucking sculptures. And they still get sold. They get sold for more than I make in a month. Mm-hmm. That's called understanding the market. That gets in my gears a little. Gets in my gears because I don't understand the market. Yeah, it gets under my skin not getting the market either. I'm so fucking dumb. Mm-hmm. All right. You guys, you guys, I got a new job. And in a future episode, I'll explain what it is, but I'm pretty stoked about it. I'm, I'm in the museum world now. <laughs> I'm an art administrator like Renz. I'm, I'm so happy about that. Dude. I'm... I'm Oh my god. I hopped three levels. I there's I was supposed to have a, a graduate degree in curatorial studies for this position, according to uh, the HR lady I was talking to. But for some reason, I just I showed them this podcast and they were like, wow, everything you're saying is so, so pertinent that you deserve this position. In fact, they, they were they were kicking around the idea of making me president of the United States. So, so more on that to come. I actually don't want to toot my own horn. I feel like, I feel like my girlfriend will be annoyed that I even joked about that. <laughs> but whatever. I, I'm really excited, guys, and I just wanted to share it with you. I'm very excited. I'm really, really, really happy for this opportunity because it comes with a lot more than just the job being done. And networking is that. Networking is underrated because it requires social skills. Which we don't have. It's not, it doesn't always come intrinsic as somebody, as, a, as an artist. Artists, it's typical that an artist might be an empath without knowing it. It's typical to be sensitive. That's a triggering word too, because it has certain connotations. As an artist, it's okay. We're connected. Our, our chakras are opened up naturally. Our Reiki is fucking red. It's lit, dude. And that's a double-edged sword because you got to get to the point where you can harness all of that strong, strong creative energy. And that is why I'm happy that Gage got this position. I'm happy because the person who hired him 
is fully connected to that sensibility. And really, I think that they got a sense of it right from the email that was sent during the application process. So and we, that is strong, strong Reiki. You, you know, that's that's something that Gage put on a document. And it was so strong that I'm sure whoever touched it that couldn't sense that energy burned their hands. So let me tell you guys something that grinds my gears. Um, I only got the opportunity that I got, which I'm pretty happy about, because I wrote a good cover letter. I was completely not qualified for the position that I got. And there I disagree. Have been, and there's a lot of positions that I've applied for that I was qualified for that I didn't get. Um, so what grinds my gears is this idea that someone liking you is more important than your qualification for a position. Because I know there's a lot of you out there who who work really hard. You may be the best glass blower of all time. And you can't even get a shop to sell your bongs because they don't like you. That fucking grinds my gears. I'm very pragmatic. I like when things work and I don't care very much about who made them work. But, you know, most of the world does. They don't call them bongs anymore. They call them um, utilitarian vases. Ah, yes, utilitarian vase. You can put your plants in it and your plant in it. <laughs> you know, that, you, that's, that's a real thing. You're going to... Is it really? You're talking about the utilitarian... No, no, oh. no, no. The, the, the <laughs> get grind, getting your gears grinded, getting under your skin because people will hire based off who they like. And this, too, is a bad thing and a good thing. It's a bad thing because as a hiring manager, as someone who hires you know, people out there, it requires a particular sensibility. And it can very well be to the point where it is nepotism. It could very well be to the point where it seems unethical. Technically, when you hire, you're supposed to open up the listing so people have an opportunity to apply for the position. And most, you know, I, th I think that most respectable and responsible organizations do do that. But some organizations already know who they're going to hire. They want to hire internally. They're just going to put the position out there for the formality. And they're going to hire who they like, even though it's a bad hire. In this situation, I think it's on the good side. It's on the good side because the hiring person, that's their style. You know, the most people might not understand that who has never met this hiring person. I can say this because I've met this hiring person. And that's a way in which it makes sense. And you might think, okay, Renz, that doesn't sound like a good argument that still sounds kind of shitty and maybe it is but fuck it i'm just still happy because gage got hired because of that that's why i think it's a good thing i'm excited because i thought i was gonna have to go back to like working food service which means i have to cancel the podcast because i'm not an art pro anymore uh well culinary arts is an art yeah but i i was answering phones still am kind of we don't even need to worry about that anymore because it worked out. And guess what? You, this moral of this story is that you should be comfortable applying for a position that you don't think on paper that you're qualified for. Oh my God. Did you know that like more than half of jobs that people get in the US, according to a study that I can't remember the name of, 
the people who get those jobs were less than 50% qualified based on the actual job description? You know, I think it's perfectly legitimate to get hired for something based off of your cover letter and prior experience. Even if in your resume, you do not have the exact position and the experience for that position beforehand, because the things that you have had done might be the perfect fit for what you might be doing in the future. I'll tell you guys something about the art pros. We hire off straight vibes. So don't send us no cover letter. <laughs> don't send us no portfolio. You just got to ride through. And if we fuck with you, you're getting paid. Just think of it this way. The portfolio is you on paper, but what really is going to make the money is you IRL. IRL. For those of you who are boomer types like me, that means in real life, in living color. So here's what you do. You get that resume. You make it sound as hot as you can. Kill it with a cover letter. Kill it. And even if you, you know, even if some stuff on that resume might not be exactly what is related to your job position, you still gotta, you have to have that idea, that sensibility in your mind that you are the right person for this job. Otherwise, I don't think you should apply. I, if you don't have at least a little confidence that you as a person will be a good fit for whatever this position you're going into is, then I don't think you should apply. I think you should only apply for something that you think you can contribute to regardless of your past experience because you can contribute to anything that you think you can be a part of if you can somehow put together all of your past successes, if you can somehow think of a way to talk about your outcomes when you do get to the next level of doing even a phone interview. Just be able to talk about it next time you see something that you want to do. Don't worry about your past, exact past experience with that topic. If you have done something in the past that you think can fit within that role, you should feel so good about yourself that you can talk about it all day. You know what really grinds my gears, man, is that there is no class in art school on guile. There's no class on being slick, you know? being a little scammy in a healthy way like like there's there's no class that i feel like you get inherently if you study business or like real estate that teaches you how to kind of just skirt the rules just enough a lot of artists are really empathic a lot of artists are you know they want to be good people even if they're fucking irritating but they don't know how and when to be a little sneaky a little scammy, bend the rules for the benefit of the greater good. For example, when you're putting together a resume, if you are, if you answered phones for pizzas, you understand administration, you know how to work customer service, and you need to play that up as much as you can. If you were a barista, you were a latte artist half of your job was convincing people that they got a beautiful coffee not just a good coffee see that's the thing about expressing confidence expressing confidence requires some sort of understanding of the self it's different than being cocky overconfident or arrogant that's totally too much confidence and that's extremely possible 
So, just, you know, mix it in with the right level of um, understanding, the right level of reality. 50% confidence and 50% reality, that's, you know, that's a conservative mix. I like to keep it 70-30, but that, you know, that takes a little bit of experience and effort to, and tact and guile to figure out how to keep that under wraps. Hey, look, if you're working for an institution or if you're trying to get a job at a place that's a nonprofit, you love nonprofits. Your entire life, you've been looking at nonprofits. You've always wanted to work in a nonprofit. If you've never thought about working in a nonprofit, who fucking cares? That's what you say. And this isn't because, you know, Art Pros is giving you advice on how to be a shitty person or how to lie or how to get ahead. But ultimately, you as a person deserve opportunity and everyone else in the world is going to do and say what they can to get an opportunity that you deserve and you know gage you said that you got your opportunity without having any prior experience as did i and you know why i got that opportunity because i displayed my abilities at the right time i got this job my first administrative job while i was in a fellowship I got this job in the middle of the fellowship because, for one, I was very lucky, but a wise man once said that luck is a combination of preparation and opportunity. I was ready. I didn't know I was going to get that call that said, hey, will you fill in for this person that got a, a different job because we're not going to, you know. They're going to be gone and we need somebody to fill in their position half time, but we'll hire you full time once you're done with the fellowship because we know you're in that still. And I said, yes. I said, yes, because I saw a bunch of doors ahead of me for this job. Might not have been the best job in of all time, but it was the best job at that time to get to the best job of all time yeah, for me, me. Let me tell you guys something. Uh, those of you who are in art school who are like, oh, I just want to get right out of school and make art, you can do that. I did it. Renz did it. We both were doing stuff that was art-related right out of school. We were making art, and it got us paid, and we still do that. But, you know, just as an aside, dude, like, jobs that put you in front of meeting people, that put you in front of people who, who fund the arts, jobs that teach you how to write and say, hey, we need money for this art project are immensely helpful. Immensely. Renz gets fucking mural opportunities like that because he learned how to talk to the people that don't make art. And it's important. Just wanted to throw that out there before you guys are like, oh, oh, the art administrator pros? That sounds fucking lame. Let me tell you guys something. These art administrators that you were hating on, the kids who studied art history who are now, for some reason, running fucking organizations all across your city, they are the ones who are going to be the gatekeepers. And do you really want someone like that being the gatekeeper? Or do you, someone who's heavily invested in actual art making, do you want to be the gatekeeper? Do you want to blow those gates wide open? Become an art administrator pro. Brought to you by Art Administrators. I was blessed. I was blessed by the man upstairs, the woman upstairs, the whoever upstairs to get this opportunity. I'm very spiritual. 
And if you don't like that, you can email me and I might change my mind and become an atheist. At artprospodcast <laughs> at gmail.com. But at this point, at, at, at that point in my career, I wasn't concerned about that. I eating. just wanted to... No, I just wanted to talk about what I did as much as possible to new people I met. I didn't even know I was networking. I just knew that one day, if I keep saying, I make art, I can do this, I can do this, I, this is what I do. One day, someone's going to think, oh, I need something done. Oh, I know an artist. I met that one guy. Oh, he gave me his information. Shuffles around, finds a business card you gave him. That's, I get most of my freelancing art opportunities by word of mouth. And that is real. To me, the most effective form of marketing is if someone talks about you by word of mouth. There's also other effective methods, not as, you know, direct, like marketing on Instagram and stuff like that. Then those are important because it leads you to the point of conversion. That point when somebody sees your post on Instagram that says, oh, I know a guy that does art. I saw it on Instagram. That's when you convert that marketing into profits. You get it? Conversion. You convert what you did, what you talked about, all of that, those seconds you took, shaking a stranger's hand, say, yeah, my name is Renz. What do you do? And then you somehow sneak in into that conversation. Oh, really? You've been doing that? Oh, so your grandma likes art? Oh, I, I actually do portraits. Yeah, I've done a few. Oh, oh, she wants one. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, what's your email? Oh, this is mine. Boom. Seamless. You gave them your info. You figured out something. They learned something about you casually. And here's the trick. Here's my secret sauce, everyone. You ask that person first what they do. Keep asking until you get an in. And then, boom, sneak it in. Oh, Oh, mid-century modern. I know about that. Yeah, I've been making... I, I do woodworking. I can, I've been making a few benches and stuff. Here, let me show you something on my phone. Don't be awkward, though. Keep talking while you look on your phone. Make them feel like they're being heard. So, uh, you, you're, you're grandma, what, is she, what does she do? Is she a designer? She likes furniture? Uh, oh, did she work with wood? Oh, and boom. Pictures up. Then they don't get bored. Just, just ask about them. Here's something that gets under my skin. Is when I forget to do that. All the things Renz was just talking about. I talk to people all the time that, you know, do stuff, are interested in things that I genuinely fucking love. And I'm so busy talking to them about what they do. I forget to turn it into an opportunistic moment. And that shit gets under my fucking skin because the whole reason they're going into depth, why I'm so interested is because they're looking for their opportunistic moment to hire someone who knows what the fuck they're talking about. Trust me, people with money who don't know that much about something that they're interested in are always trying to fucking hire someone to do something. And if they're not, they wouldn't bring it up because it, then it's just a hobby. It's not a business transaction, especially if you're in a business setting. You're not there. You're not networking at this fucking dumbass arts event. I'm sorry. Excuse me. This incredibly amazing opportunity to talk about your home life. You're there to try and make networking connections and everyone in that part of the art world is constantly trying to do that. You need to demonstrate your value. Be sneaky about it. It always gets under my skin when I forget to do that. What's that uh, disease called again? Coronavirus. So, 
if you're scared of the coronavirus, you're sitting indoors, you're a little anxious about social interaction, that's all right. I was, I, I was there for a long time, not just making this up. I had to level up. I, have to, I had to face my fears to be able to talk in public. I, one of my ultimate goals in life is to be able to be an excellent public speaker. I want to be able to walk into a room and say a speech and, and make people clap and make people feel confident in themselves. And the reason I'm saying that is because even, even if you feel like you might be sitting there thinking, Gage and Ren's like, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm just, I'm afraid of this virus. I'm afraid of going out there. It's kind of scary to talk to people. I haven't even done anything yet. Well, put it this way. Have you played Pokemon before? You know, you start out with a level three Pokemon, but did that ever stop you from getting to the Elite Four and becoming the greatest Pokemon master of all time? Yes. No. You walked through that tall grass. You busted through all those gym leaders and won with your level 79 Charizard and a Pidgeotto because you needed to use Fly. That makes sense to me. But just think about it that way. If you're sitting there and saying, ah, but Gage and Renz, I don't know. Yeah, but Gage and Renz, this and that. Yep, that's called an excuse. You're making excuses for yourself to not go out there and become the person that you should be. be get the worth that you're supposed to have. And, and here's the thing. Um, Renz and I do come from positions of varying privilege. But like Renz just said, if you say, hey, you guys get away with this shit because of X privilege, Y privilege, Z privilege, that's still a fucking excuse. I know people way worse off than than being able to listen to podcasts who've done things that are important. Like? Like listen uh, to this podcast. Who's that guy that's uh, started Apple computers? I don't know, but I know the guy who invented the Apple, Isaac Newton. He was just oh. sitting under a tree, virgin. He was a virgin, and an apple fell on his head, and he said, oh, man, you know, <laughs> I can't fuck this apple, so gravity must exist. And if gravity exists, I need to invent the apple. Exactly. Steve Jobs. Apple Computers, Isaac Newton. Another thing that gets under my skin is the fact that, you know, in the arts world, people make art and then they explain it with all this shit. And it's like, why didn't you just write that down? Like, why did you need to make an art piece and a paragraph? If it was a good art piece, you wouldn't need the fucking paragraph. Just throwing that out there for those of you who study art. Yeah, that's a tricky one. We live in a world right now that, it, that comes from the success of conceptual art. This is what probably one top, the top two favorite topics of the art pros is that damn toilet. The damn toilet that that one artist made. That's a test. I don't need to tell you all the name of the artist. You can look it up yourself. Marcel Duchamp. So... Think about how ridiculous that is. A toilet becomes fine art. We're right in the middle of that revolution. That grinds my gears a little bit because sometimes you can walk in, you know, you spent a bunch of money, took a bus up to New York, you're hanging out with your homies, your partner, your loved one, and you go yourself. into a show yourself, and 
you, you go into the show and you're like, I don't get it until you read the paragraph. And you know, that might not be the best thing possible. That might not be good design, curate, curatorial design. Maybe. Hey, but you might say that person still got a show. That's true. What are you waiting for? You know what I'm saying? If people can get away with having a show, writing a paragraph to explain their stuff, maybe your work, maybe your work can make it to New York. And what does that take? If you were paying attention, you would know. Let me tell you guys something. Here's something you should call your teacher out on if you're in art school. This is just for art, for art school interns. The next time that you have a teacher who's like, oh, we're going to go to New York and look at these galleries. And you're like, I've seen New York. Everyone goes to fucking New York to look at art. Just call them out on it. Like, don't don't be a pussy about it. Just be like, why the fuck does everyone go to New York to look at art? Isn't art about like an international mode of creativity? Isn't isn't art about finding um, inspiration across all avenues through which you can find inspiration? Just call them the fuck out. I I am so sick of artists in art schools looking to places like New York and Miami as the bastion of creative fucking ingenuity as this as the spark that lights the fire of creativity. When's the last time you went to a fucking art gallery in New York and were like, I get it now. I get it. Fuck that. Challenger teacher be like, why can't we go to Dundalk, Maryland and find something to inspire us? Why can't we go to France? Why can't <laughs> that's, the, that's where art comes from. Yeah. Yeah, why, why can't we go to, to Japan? That's where all my favorite porn is made. Right. You know, uh, phallic arts. Yannick Arts. Um, uh, Graphic but, Arts. Butthole Arts. <laughs> oh, all right, that one I might actually bleep out. Butthole Arts? <laughs> no, there's nothing wrong with that. Why is it that all art is about, uh, you know, phallic and Yannick symbology? Symbolism. Why is there no butthole symbolism? Yeah, you're, you're talking about the contrast between george o'keefe and pablo picasso see it's crazy because everyone's got a butthole no one's ever talking about it that's what i'm talking about you know that's what i wanted it that that was my point for the whole thing yeah new york is like like the the penis of the united states mm, what's the yonic of the i would probably probably la la yeah why does everyone want to go there what about what about las vegas Nah, Las Vegas is definitely the butthole. You should challenge your teacher and be like, why don't we go to Las Vegas to look at art? Mm. I mean, the hotels there are really like well-made and fabricated, and they attract you know thousands of tourists who have a meaningful experience there. I think uh, uh, Las Vegas would be a place to go. Well, I think this is more fair. What, why, why don't we call Los Angeles left cheek? Why don't we call New York the right butt cheek? And then we can call the middle of the states. Well, just pick a random city the butthole las vegas no the middle well that's that's technically west <laughs> yeah that's kind of like having a butthole in your left butt cheek well does that make miami the tip of the penis hmm or the clitoris ah yes that is true yeah let's just let's just make it universal Every, all right everyone's got a nipple so las vegas is the left nipple ah. new york is the right nipple los angeles is still the butthole in my opinion <laughs> Um, Seattle is probably the earlobe. Mm. Ask your teacher why they want to take you to New York so badly and then challenge them, especially if it's a, I had a lot of teachers whose studios were in New York 
and that's why they wanted to go all the fucking time. Challenge them, be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you want to go to New York, what? So you can show us the art that you think is valuable and important? Or, like, shouldn't you, as an art professor, be non-biased and have an understanding that, like, the things that inspire you may not inspire us? Because that helps stoke their creativity. It's not a gotcha moment. It's an opportunity to have them see, is there a place I can take them to that is more inspiring than Philadelphia or New York? Well, excuse me for the cutoff. I just wanted to say that if you've never been to New York to see the galleries, it's very worth it to go for your first time and understand what we're talking about. If you've never been there, go there, see the art, feel what we're talking about. I got a good story gauge of what happened to me when I had my first tour of galleries. I actually kind of just got, you know, invited myself in kind of. <laughs> well, somebody from a uh, professor's class invited me to go to New York. Uh, it was going to be chill because, you know, I had a place to be and they're re really just walking around having a tour. The instructor, the professor was cool with it. So we walked around, we saw some, we saw some galleries and one of the galleries, I personally thought that the art was kind of boring. I was still a student. I didn't want to express myself that it was boring yet, but I was in one of the little gallery sections, one of the corners of the gallery and I had to fart. So I thought it was going to be a quiet fart, but I let it, I thought I was going to let it just squeak out, but it ended up being audible and kind of loud. And I got myself out of that room as quickly as possible because I was ashamed. When we got outside, the instructor was talking to us and he, they were like, uh, so what did you think about this show? Uh, and you know, people, the people who were around for the tour said what they said mostly it was just what you would typically hear hey, you know it was cool it was all right and then after that the instructor said did anybody hear that fart they were in the other like i didn't know where they were but i was like oh, yeah that was me i'm sorry and they're like oh that's awesome i didn't really like that show <laughs> and we left to the new the next gallery so it seems that after all this talk you were the butthole of the art world i damn Yep, it's me. You caught me. Um, uh, yeah. I just want to throw this out there. What Renz <laughs> did is awesome for networking. You can't just fart and expect it to work. But the thing is, is that a lot of times people in a professional environment can feel refreshed when faced with humanity. <laughs> you know, like, like. So if you're really nervous in an interview and you kind of get the vibe that, that the person you're interviewing with isn't like super, you know, uptight, they're just doing it for that interview, just let one squeak out, <laughs> you know, yeah. and then say, oops, oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, I just, I'm really nervous, but I, I love your company. Please don't hold it against <laughs> me. And it's, it's kind of charming to be like that, you know? You know what they say, Gage, real recognize real. Real recognize real. And I think that that hits... We're about at the hour mark. Um, mm -hmm. We should do our closing sentiments. Do you, can we can we end with that Alex Jones indie song? <laughs> I think that that shit is just so fucking funny. Yeah, let's end with that. And uh, for everybody out there, be yourself. This is the most. This is the thing you're gonna hear the most in your whole life, starting from when you have to ask out that first love interest that you have at the age of I don't know eleven or twelve. You're going to hear people say, just be yourself. Just do it. 
Just don't get disillusioned with it. It still works. It works at the age of eight. It works at the age of 88. Also, being yourself doesn't mean succumbing to your insecurities. What it means is feeling comfortable. Yeah. So yeah. if you fart by accident, that's you. That's you, baby. Yeah, just say, yeah, that was me. You might get a very reassuring statement from someone you trust with more experience in the art world to tell you that maybe when you walk into this flashy, oh, my first New York art gallery, maybe it's okay to say it sucks to that guy. You guys ever played Beyblade? Because it's, <laughs> it's, it's time to let it rip. <laughs> All right, if you like this episode and you made it this far, um, which I highly doubt most of you will, please consider donating to the Art Pros Patreon, patreon.com slash artpros. I think it'll be in the description. Um, follow us on Instagram, paid.artist, if you don't already do. And we are really in search of, uh, we want to start telling stories on the podcast, people's funny art school stories, whether it's that girl who bathed in raw eggs or that guy who got drunk for for a performance art project. We want to hear all of them. And you can stay anonymous. You can DM, the, DM them to us on Instagram or send it to us at artprospodcast at gmail.com. And we would we would really love we'd love to share those stories because I think that that those of you who are artists have all have a story like that. Oh, gallery stories! I have one. Everyone should have great fucking stories. And and one last tip is everything's a story. If you're ever trying to get anything sold, it's a fucking story. You're yeah. not you're not telling someone. Oh, I. I I can weld, I can shoot a bow and arrow. You're telling them the story of that proves that you can do those things. That is right, everybody. And if you don't have a story, you got a topic you want us to cover, just just email us, period. Email us a question. Do anything art-related. We're here. We're doing this work because we think it's fun to talk to other artists. We think it's fun to share other professional artists' information. If it's just Gage and I sitting here talking about the stuff that we learned how contrived do you think our information will become once we reach rogan level episode numbers once we reach episode 1000 this is going to be part 15 of of things that get under our skin and this is alex jones rants if they were an indie song by alex let's go